Content discussed on this podcast may be triggering for some individuals. So if you feel like today you can't quite handle it, that's totally fine. You can press pause and come back another day. Remember, we're always going to be here. And if you need immediate help, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. everybody to episode five of If You Don't Mind. I am your host, Madeline Sherrington. Thank you for stopping by. How are you going? How's your day been? I hope it's not been stressful or ridiculous in any way, shape or form. I hope it was a pretty smooth ride. (laughs) Guys, this is episode five and I am so excited for you to listen to this because basically it's something I've wanted to put out there for quite some time, but I've been a bit nervous. And the reason I've been nervous is because this interview is actually with one of my best friends. Her name is Irene, and we have known each other since we were 15 years old. I think of her as a sister. She has helped me through some of the most intense and difficult parts of my life and vice versa. I have been there for her during some particularly hard times. This interview is a little bit different. It's not going to be structured like the other ones. It's not so much a question and answer kind of thing. This is actually an episode about the year we both got sick. And when I say sick, I mean mental health conditions that we had ignored for quite some time finally came bubbling to the surface to the point where we could no longer avoid them and where we both became quite chronically ill for quite some time. It's also the year that Irene came to live with me and my family and it's also the year that she attempted to take her own life. It's hard, it's very hard to talk about because during that period of time I myself was so unwell and so terrified of everything in life and the world around me. When it happened, I felt so much guilt because I felt like I'd failed my friend. And the only thing I could think of at the time was convince my family to let her stay. And that's what we did. (laughs) It kind of turned out to be a really amazing story, which I want to share with you all. So, of course, there is a trigger warning here. This episode talks very, very openly about suicide, self-harm. There's also a mention of domestic violence and sexual abuse. So if there is anything that I've just listed there that you don't feel like you can hear about today, it's fine. Come back when you're ready. It's going to be an emotional one, but that's okay. We we have to face these things. We have to talk about these things. We have to be open about these things if we are ever going to make any true change. So take a deep breath and let's get started and listen to episode five. This is me talking with one of my best friends, Irene, and I think you're going to like it. Yeah, no, I just, I'm, I'm very nervous. Don't be nervous. No, it's okay. I'm just. <laughs> it's gonna be good. I know I can't maybe, look at you. Maybe it's just because, like, you know me so well, mm. you know, and like, there's just so much history there. You're I just know. Like, oh, hi. <laughs> Is it because I've got lip balm on and my nose? No. Like, I need it. I need it there because my I've, I've rubbed my nose dry, babe. <laughs> hi, Irene. <laughs> hi. <laughs> How are you going? I'm good. You're a little bit sick. I'm a little bit sick, but it's okay. Oh, I can. I like it. <laughs> the little sniffles are so cute. I just. I'm less sassy when I'm sick, so it's probably for the best. Oh, and you are very sassy. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, for those of you listening, I asked Irene to send me some photos um, that she like of our relationship, of our friendship that she likes the most. I feel like most of them are just us drunk, or yes. you just obviously frustrated with me yes or like sassing me well in the it's, photo. it's just i think it <laughs> illustrates our relationship so much we're like i just lose it and you're just like don't don't, don't be like that you're very like much you're the fine. alpha in our friendship yeah <laughs> i'm the alpha in a lot of people's <laughs> friendships you can't help it a lot of the time i think i just assert my dominance <laughs> everybody's like fine yeah whatever I'll just give it to you yeah <laughs> oh fuck me okay um so this interview is going to be a little bit different, okay? Because usually, like they're very structured, but I guess this this episode is kind of us telling a story, yeah. 
So I guess I'm going to give everybody everybody a bit of background and explain exactly <laughs> what happened. Oh, okay, so basically both Irene and I, and I found ourselves in situations where we were both quite unwell at the same time. So for me, it was kind of in January 2015. Yes. Where I essentially took some bad drugs and completely lost my mind and had a complete... <laughs> Utter nervous breakdown, which to be fair was probably coming because I had avoided um, this very obvious anxiety disorder for a long time. Yeah, and you weren't, you didn't have any self care rituals. I don't, I don't don't think either of us knew what self care was. No, it was just like push it down. Yeah, it was very keep up with the Joneses, like keep up appearances. Yes, yeah, and drink a lot. Yeah, and it'll be fine. Oh, so much drinking. (laughs) Fuck. So yes, and then obviously I became pretty much home like bound, like mm-hmm. I, I didn't leave my house. Mm. And I remember before that happened, I visited you at David Jones where you were working at the time. My memory's shocking, but yes. And you were telling me that you had started to diso- disassociate. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I went home and I Googled it and I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember at that point I knew that that potentially there was something not right. Yeah. Do you remember that period just before yeah, everything I do. happened? Yeah, I do. I remember I was actually watching Black Mirror this morning oh, no. and he talks about disassociation. Yeah. And as soon as he mentioned that, I was like, holy crap, like I know that, like I know that feeling. Like it's very surreal. Um, there are times where I'll, like, I'll be like, oh my God, like I can't even believe that I thought like that. But it was just, that was just like, imagine happening it then and then me not realizing mm. and then me going to therapy and my therapist being like, no, no, that's dissociation. Like, oh. And what is it? Like, for those people who out there who don't know what it is, what is it like? Um, what happens? I think, like, you just don't accept the reality that is there. Mm-hmm. So um, you start questioning reality and then in that sense it's just – it starts getting very dangerous because you – I know you don't know your limits. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know – I think – in that sense, I think the depression had really taken control and I was like, I don't know if this is real life. Like I don't I don't understand how all these things are happening. This this can't be real. Like mm. I think I had like it was almost like an out of body experience as well. Like I could see myself being so sad and getting more and more sick and I felt so completely helpless. It was like out of like I couldn't I didn't feel like me. Like mm. it felt like I was a shell of a person. Hmm. Yeah. I remember you telling me that you were like, you used an example of you were like on the bus or in the car and you, yes. had, you had your like your hand out of the window or something like that yeah. and you saw her outside and you were just like, I can't accept this is real. Yeah, actually. So now that you bring that up, I think I remember like it would be times where I'd be walking and like this was completely sober. Like I would have just had not even have caffeine in my body. I'd be walking down the street and it would almost be like it, I could reach out and the reality that was there in front of me, I could like kind of pull it down like a curtain. Like mm, it felt like it right. was like it was a stage set and I could pull it down and it was almost as if it, it wasn't actually there. Like reality wasn't there. Mm. I remember you telling me that and I was just I was terrified because yeah. I was just like but the, how do you come back from that yeah. like how do I fix this well, the, for you but the thing is I wasn't even scared like it was yes I remember that you like, were so I wasn't, complacent yeah like it was and I think that was the scariest part for a lot of my friends and like you know I think when you hear about people disassociating you you accept reality that you can't re- accept reality like it's almost like okay like the world isn't real like I'm not real um this this life isn't real and mm. then but like you're complacent with it like you're like no no this is this is completely okay like mm. and, and that's yeah, a scary part that was terrifying yeah. to me because I remember speaking with our other friends about it and I was like I was just like why why doesn't she care yeah <laughs> I don't understand this because to yeah to, even like even I didn't understand like yeah. I don't like because I was just like oh, okay this is that's life now I'm like, mm. oh, okay this is this is happening yeah so like what I guess for those who were listening, what was happening in your life then? What was what was the reason these things were starting to happen for you? I think I I didn't know how to regulate my emotions. Um, I felt the need to validate every single thing I was feeling. Um, and I think most importantly, something that I learned, you know, through therapy and through seeing so many different so many different methods of help. I realized that I I always was chasing happiness. Like mm. I didn't I couldn't accept being sad. Um, so I had a really bad, like, childhood, like, it was, like, pretty traumatic, um, a really 
strenuous relationship with my mother mm. and I was in a relationship where I started it quite young and, you know, it just – it wasn't right for me, you know. Um, so I think there was just a lot of things that I kind of was pushing to the back of my mind that I didn't want to be be or like accept. I didn't want to like accept being this person. I think a lot of the stuff that happened in my past, I, I held onto it and I let it own me as well. Mm. Um, and eventually I think I just, I wish to be normal. Like I remember saying that all the time when I was I sick. Remember. I remember being like, I just, I wish I could be normal. Um, because I didn't, I thought I was just so not like I thought mm. that that wasn't how normal, like feeling this sad, like, not being able to control, like, how I was feeling, like, acting out. Like, I just didn't feel normal. Mm. Yeah. Do you think – because I remember when we were growing up and, you know, we were teenagers mm. and we left high school and things like that. Mm. You obviously were quite a big drinker. Yes. Do you think that the reason you were drinking was because you wanted to kind of, like, just feel normal and escape all those oh, feelings? Oh, 100%. I think, you know, the reason why I didn't have – you know, I, ha- I didn't have a childhood growing up, you know, yeah. like, that, that I didn't have – and now I was forced to be an adult quite quite young, probably from when I was, God knows, like seven. You yeah, know, I was young. I was I was forced to be an adult and take all this responsibility that I ended up resenting. Um, so there was a lot of anger in me as well, right? So I think when I started drinking, when I found alcohol, even when I found drugs, I was like, okay, well, this is my way to escape. Like it was mm-hmm. it was very much I didn't want to be, I wasn't happy with myself, so I would pretend to be. Or want to be something that, you know, I wasn't. Mm. But that was my form of escape. Mm. Um, and there are still times where, like, you know, I'll be like, I'll have a bad day, and you know, I'll I'll end up drinking. And like my my partner now, um, recently he like I had a really bad week at work, and I got in like so loose at a work event, and yeah, it was yeah. That's but um, you know, my my partner like he's he's so supportive, and he was he was like, look, like it's not that I get angry at you for drinking. It's it's like the reasons why. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, there are healthier ways to go about it. You shouldn't be getting that blind. Um, mm. just because you're stressed out, like that's not healthy. And it came from a place of you know, love. of support and yeah. love. Um, I think he just didn't want me to see me like that. And, you know, he had made a point. Like, it was just like, you know, if you're you're feeling like unsafe again, if you're feeling like, you know, you can't handle the stress, go and talk to someone. Mm. He's like, alcohol is not going to help. It's going to make things worse. Yeah. Um, so it's like habits that I, I still find myself trying to get out of. But I think it's the self-care that we're talking about, you know. Mm. It's so important. So, so important. Oh, I totally agree. And like, okay, so I'm gonna. I'm just very nervous to have this conversation. <laughs> Why? Because it's very intense. It, it's it's literally the mo- it's the it's the time in both our our lives and our friendship where mm. things were, were at you know it's worse. So I guess um, a few months into me being unwell, mm-hmm. you got to the point where you were very unwell. Yes, yes, and you basically got to a point where you wanted to end your life yes so how like how did that happen what was the kind of what what led you to that point I don't even remember I you know what I remember feeling so unwell for so long like it was probably a couple of months and mind you that was my second suicide attempt so Mm. um when when I was younger um I had come had come out had realized that I had I had reported. I had mm. reported sexual assault mm. um, that had occurred when I was twelve years old, and the the way everything was handled with um, the police because I had to go into the like police station, and my mother didn't react very well. Ended up having a suicide attempt. Then um, my mom kind of shoved shoved it under the rug. Mm. Still to this day, we don't talk about it. Um, and then um, I think coming into the second time where I was in that, I I think I was just I was just so unwell. I don't know. Like there was, I felt like I'd lost complete control by that point. Like I remember waking up and being like, I, mean, I used to play like this game with myself, being like, okay, well, if this was going to be your last day like to live what would you eat like what would you do and like but used to be to the point being like okay start try living your life like it would be the last day Mm. um to remind yourself how good life is you Mm. know um so like it'd be this counterintuitive thing um but I mean at that point I think I was feeding you know the demon inside me um but I remember just waking up one morning I was meant to go to work and I didn't 
and I was just like, no, nope, this is it. Like, I can't do anymore. Like, this is – I can't – so weird, like, talking about it too because it's so, it's so far away from the person I am now. Yeah. So to remind myself of that person, I'm just like, whoa, like, so je- so different. <laughs> It's like it's all. It's I. I had mentioned it to you before. It's almost as if like I'm talking about another person. Yeah. Um. Where I can empathize, and you know, I I I can. I think looking back on that person now, I, I have so much understanding for that person. But it's so hard for me to connect to that person because I've I've just moved so far from it. I'm just. Yeah. And you're so different. I mean, knowing yeah. you then and now, like you are a completely different yes. person. And I think like now I'm able to catch my triggers where there I just didn't. Like I had no. Yeah. No control. Actually, so I think one thing that did lead to it was I was going really deep into my therapy. So that's right, because I remember you just started antidepressants. I had just started, so I had just started antidepressants. I was just on Lexapro. Um, they had me on suicide watch. Uh, they were very nervous about me going on Lexapro, but they thought it would help once I got out of this depressive, de- episode. depressive episode. Um, so I think I can't even remember how long. I think they said it was like three weeks for it to kick in, but there are chances that it could get worse. And unfortunately, it got worse. Mm. Um, and you know, while I was kind of on this full strong dosage of Lexapro, um, trying to they're trying all their best to help me. I was seeing my therapist three times a week, but I was diving into a lot, a lot of like traumatic events in my past. I mm. think I was trying to understand what was going on. Um, once I had gotten into the hospital, my therapist, my psychologist in the hospital actually thought that it was a mix of the medications that I was on, mm. um, and then also that I wasn't sleeping. So the medication. Yes. So even sleep to me now, like, is a massive trigger. Like, I can, I can feel my emotions just, like, go out of control if I, I have, like, four hours sleep. Like, for me, sleep is, like, the most important self-care routine that I, I, I make sure that I have. Um, but I wasn't sleeping. I, I wasn't eating. Um, I was on full dose, like, <sighs> I can't even remember how high my dosage was for Lexapro. Um, on the suicide watch, going to therapy three times a week, and I think it just got all too much. And I, I was also at uni, and UC was a uni was a massive trigger for me back then. Yes. Um. Again, because I was like, oh, I've been through so much, um, and I want to be able to deal with it, but I also wanted to be normal and be able to get through uni. Yeah. Um. And it was really hard for me where I would get to like I would get to writing my uni degree, like my uni assignments, and I'd be like, I can't focus. Like I literally can't think. There were so many other thoughts going through my head. Um. You know, and again, in like hindsight, I like all these tools and measures I have now to help me through it. I I didn't do any of that because when I wasn't practicing it, I didn't, it, I, it. I didn't know it. You yeah. know, so like now when all that happens, I just don't engage with it. You know, I don't engage with the thought. Um, I kind of accept it, I acknowledge the thought, and but I don't engage with it. I don't let it consume me. Mm. Um, where then I would like you know, just like cover it like a blanket. Like mm. I would, it would be a sense of security because it's something that I, I knew I could always run to because I didn't, I knew what sadness was, but I didn't know what happiness was mm. um, because I didn't know how to value myself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Because I remember just having, even before you got sick, just having conversations with you mm. time and time again about your self-worth. Yeah. And you just <laughs> thinking that you weren't, worth anything and I would just sit there and be like you're worth so much so so much but it would just yeah it it'd go on deaf, deaf ears. ears like there yeah. was just there was no way that that was going to come through yeah and you know I can't even I can't tell you the day where I realized my self-worth mm. um but it it it's happened you know mm. like I I I think it was a it's been a long process of change and having a support like a family network that helps you. And I'm not – in terms of family, I'm not talking about like blood family. I'm talking about like you and your family, like mm. what your family did for me, um, mm. providing me that sense of safety and security mm. is something that I could never take for granted. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's just something as simple as just coming home to someone you feel safe to, with um, that makes the world a difference. No, I 100%, I 100% mm. agree. I remember – like I, it's hard to talk about, but I remember getting the call from – were your ex-partner at the time yeah. who had found you. Yes. And I remember because previously, like a few days before that, I had gone – I basically found myself in a bad patch again. So yes. I thought I was getting better and then I, I wasn't again. And I remember getting the call and it was like, 
gotta get to Irene. <laughs> gotta get to Irene. And I was just like, I don't remember getting in the car and yeah. my dad driving me and like getting to your house and it's it's still like it's still very hard to talk about just because I've never seen you or anyone yeah. in, in such a vulnerable place, you know. Place. Yeah. And I remember just obviously you were so out of it. Yeah. You didn't really know what was going on. No. And um I remember just thinking like the the paramedic the paramedics weren't bothered enough. I was like, guys, yeah. <laughs> this is a big deal. Care more. Yeah. And, we, and they were, but I yeah. was just like, there needs there needs to be more, like more needs to be done. This is they very were serious. also very frustrated with me. Um I think it's hard when even for them in hindsight, you know, when there's they care about me and I'm just so like, you know, mm. nonchalant about wanting their help and they've come here to help me. Um, cause I, like, you didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go anywhere. I was fighting with them. I remember being like, I regret having, you know, letting like my ex-partner like come through. Like, you know, like I remember thinking like, if he wasn't like, if he, if I didn't like, you know, open up the door, like this could have been done by now. Like I remember like being in like the hospital. I remember waking up in the hospital. I remember being in the ambulance being like, if you just like let me out, I can finish this and I'll be like a less of a problem for you. Like, mm. I mean, and I remember that was because it was something that I just know I couldn't lie about. Like I just the, every I could be like, okay, like just say that you're better, say you're feeling well, and they'll let you out. But I know there was I think it was a part of me that was like, you need help. Like there was a like this little like voice inside of me that was like, this is what you're thinking. You need help. You need to tell them. Like I just couldn't. It was almost like liar, liar in where like I couldn't lie about that. Like mm-hmm. I remember. Like there was one point where like, how are you feeling? And I I was had been in hospital like for maybe three or four hours. I was in um what's that? In the emergency department. Oh, like the PEC unit or something. No, no, it was before I got oh. um into the PEC unit. Um, I was in the emergency department, and they were just trying to flush everything out of my system and make sure I was okay. And then um they were like, how are you feeling? And I was like, just just let me finish it. Just please. Like I remember like begging them and crying, being like, just let me out and I can do this properly. Like I'm so sorry to be like such a bother to you, but please, like, please just I don't want to I don't want to be here anymore. Mm. Um and I remember like them being like, Okay, well, I can't. Like we can't. Um and that's when they sectioned me. That's yes. right. <laughs> Cause I remember when you were taken away in the ambulance, cause, uh, two of our other friends yes. arrived and I remember my dad was just in the car and he's like, I'll be here for yeah. as long as you need. <laughs> I remember we were in your room and your room was like a mess. Yeah. And we knew that you'd been, like, that's the thing. Cause you always kept a little bit from us. Like yes. you would never give us the full, the full picture of your mental health. Yeah. Um, yeah, like how bad your mental health was. And so when we were in that room, we realized how bad it was. Mm. And I remember we were just like overwhelmed by the fact that like we – like you kind of felt gu- – I felt guilty. Guilty. Because mm. I was like, I know it wasn't our fault. I feel like go cry. Oh, no. <laughs> like it wasn't – I know it was in our fault, but I was just like, fuck, like this is not okay. Yeah. Like this shouldn't have happened and – in my mind, I was like, I was so busy trying to make myself better. Like, I should have tried harder. Mm. And we were all just like, fuck this. We're going to, like, even if it kills us, we're going to make sure she knows that she deserves to be alive. Yeah. And, like, we, like, drove to the hospital and you were asleep and I was just like, yep. And that's when I knew in my head, yeah. I was like, I'm going to have to convince my parents to <laughs> To let her come stay because fuck she's not going back to her house no and yeah and then a, f- and a few days later when you were in the pack unit and i came and visited you yeah. and i bought you all those magazines yeah and i rem- and you were just like i think you're a bit off i off was your face i was on drugs. so high <laughs> on that medication yes. i think that was when they started um prescribing seroquel oh yeah and my god even yeah. out like after like coming out i remember like i think i went to started going to work like two weeks after you did. as well and, <laughs> and i was like oh you classic so irene fucking st- i was so fucking angry i was like no and my even, mom my mom was like even no. even my boss like even there were so many people around and i get i was so high on this yeah. meds i was like guys i'm fine like <laughs> I'm like, I was off my, like, I remember being like, I was so out of it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is fine. Like, mm. oh, okay. I remember one, like being at work at one point and like the floors were moving. I'm like, 
Oh, mm. the the medication is working. Yeah. <laughs> this is good shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, when I suggested that you come live with us, mm. like, what did you think about that at the time? Look, I'll be honest. I don't even remember. <laughs> like, <laughs> basically, Look, you couldn't go back. Yeah. Because your relationship with your mum was so... Well, that was the one condition they had. So they didn't want me... When I was in the PEC unit, um, which was the psychiatric emergency department, um, I was actually there for a lot longer than they normally would hold someone. Um, But they didn't want to to actually admit me because the psychiatrist uh, in charge thought it would be more detrimental to my health to have me admitted Mm. um, than it would to have me just in the emergency department. So... Um, I stayed there for, I, I can't even remember, three or four nights. Yeah. Um, right. But the only condition that would let me out would be if I didn't live with my mom. So I, like, I, that was. <laughs> yeah. And I remember hearing that and I was like, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. This is all we can do. I, I remember hearing that and being like, oh, wait. So it's, that, that's actually like a problem. Like, <laughs> Where do I live then? <laughs> no, I remember being like, oh, I thought it was just me. Like, I thought my mom, like, it was just, I didn't really, I, I, oh. well, at that point, I didn't want to admit that my mom had such an impact on my life. Yeah. Um, that I, I was just like, oh, like, I didn't realize it was that bad. Mm. And, um, it was, it was at that point that was a wake up moment for me. Yeah. Cause I think during that, point it became quite clear that a lot of your issues were directly related to the fact that your mother was so toxic yes basically within your relationship yes and we for years had heard stories about her we were just like and it's funny like when you meet like my mom like you know she's she's changed a lot um she's actually i I can't even i don't know when the last time you saw her was but a while ago she's a completely new person too like it's Mm. i think it's it's really different um we didn't speak to each other for six months last year and that has made a world of difference. I think even after the point I had moved out, um, she started resenting me for that, and she was really unhappy. Um, I remember when they had called us into a group therapy, and God, my mother, she had called. We had gone into a group therapy, and um, they had sat her down, and they were like, "Okay, you're going to tell your mom that you you can't live with her anymore." Um, oh, I don't remember this. Oh uh, yeah, so they had they had brought me in there. And then um, they brought my mother in, like, second, and she sits down, and then she's, like, she was a wreck, and she's, they're just like, okay, like, Mrs. Tingson, do you know why we're here? And she's like, I think so. And she was, sorry, this isn't funny. It's it's funny in hindsight. It was so not funny then. Um, And she was, they were like, okay, why do you think you're here? And she, like, why do you think we're here? And she's like, Irene's really abusive to me. And I remember being like... I went hysterical, like crying. Like I remember like fighting, like the nurses being like, get me the fuck out of here. Like I can't fucking do this. Like fucking kill me. I remember like yelling and she was just like, Irene, I can hear in the background. She's like, Irene, you need to be honest with them now. Like, you know, like they're here to help you. Like, you know, you're just like, you need help, Irene. You're so abusive. And I was like, I cannot believe this. And so then oh, they I just have to laugh. Like I know. Knowing your mom and just the situation. Yeah. Hindsight. <laughs> Hindsight. Oh god. Um and so they they had brought me back into my room. Um they gave me a sedative to calm me down. And then the psychiatrist were like, Okay, well obviously we need to tell her. They ended up telling my mom. She came in and was just like distraught. Um she was like, What did you tell them? She's like, Why would you think why do you think like is this what you really want? Like, do you want this? And I was like, I like I just couldn't talk. Like I was like, I don't know. Mm. And then so after that, because this whole thing was a blur to me, after that I just remember being picked up by you guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even know how I came, how it got to that. But I just, like, I think there was just so much going through my head and I was just on so much medication that eventually I just was like, oh, I guess I'm at Maddie's now. Like, <laughs> that's honestly how I remember it. It was so, it was funny because the night before, a few nights before you came to live with us. Um, so for those who don't know, my parents, so my parents were living there, plus my twin sister, <laughs> plus my younger sister. Yeah. <laughs> Was my brother living there? Your as brother well? was living and there as well. Yeah, yeah, it was a full house. Full house. And your dog. And my dog. And the rabbit. And the rabbit. Oh, the rabbit was. I there. know. Yeah. <laughs> and so we had the way our house works is we upstairs we have this little kind of uh, this little kind of nook area. Yeah. Between two bedrooms, so yeah. my mum went out and bought these partitions. God bless your mum. And a bed. 
and she set up this little like it was it's so beautiful it was so beautiful I remember being like oh my goodness like <laughs> my mum felt so because I was like I don't think Irene can stay in my room for like a whole year mum yeah. and she's like no it's probably not gonna work you guys won't sleep um and yeah and I just was like I just remember thinking my mum was just a bloody saint. Yeah, no, she she is a saint. Like, you know, like mm. I I remember the first time telling my partner this story, he was like, holy crap, I don't have any – like he was just so grateful for your family, for taking mm. me in. Um, a lot of the time when we talk about my past, he'll he'll – especially when I was a child, he'll just be like – I, like, he just, he just gets so distraught mm. and he'll, he'll be like, I wish I could just go back in time and hold you and mm. be, and like tell you that like you're going to be okay. Mm. He's like, I wish I could like hold like your five year old self and just be like, trust me, it's going to get better. Like mm. it's, it's okay. Um, and I think he sees like your parents and your family as like just like the, the family that like helped lift me up. Like, you know, they like resurrected me, like helped me bring me back to who I was. Um, so he's always so grateful. He always tells me off. He's just like, when are you going to go see them? Like, <laughs> Dad's always like, where's Irene? When's she coming over for dinner? I'm like, Dad, you text her. You have a number. Ugh. The, the thing is, though, and I don't want it to make it seem like my parents are some sort of, like, saint family. Like, it, it's just the decent thing you do. Like, I know, I know not everybody would do it. Yeah. But in my family. Yeah. You do it. Oh, well, I think, you know, your family are just so big on helping people, you know. Mm. Um, they're, they're very empathetic people. Um, and I think more so they, they made, they fought really hard to give their family a decent family unit. Mm. Um, and to make sure that all their kids were supported and loved. And when they see another child, um, you know, facing like I don't know insecurities and stuff that you know they believe that like, no child should have to go through yeah. I think they find it very hard in themselves to turn that away yeah and I think just with my like not going into it but with my parents backgrounds yeah. and things like that and their childhoods and things I think they just want to see a world where every child is protected and safe yeah and in that moment they saw that they could do that mm. and so they did it. Yeah. Which I think – and to be honest, like now I feel like by – if my kids had a friend going the same, through the same oh. thing, I think I would do the same thing. Yeah, 100%. Because it's like in my – the way I said it to my family, I was like, mm. this is how we keep Irene alive. Yeah. And so we were like, cool, we are on – mission now that's what it was like to keep you alive yeah and you know what was so funny because coming into your family I was just like holy crap like is this what it's meant to be like Mm. like I remember like not knowing that Mm. um we're not perfect by the way no let me just just say every household is dysfunctional we're not perfect I want to go on the record and say that it's very important but it was I'm just going deja vu. This yeah. is so weird. Oh, really? Yeah. What's it? What's... As if I've had a like this conversation. Yeah, this is Ooh, so weird. Well, weird. Deja vu is like, weird. Like and like the same setting. Anyway, this is weird. <laughs> I swear I've had a dream about this before. <laughs> this is really tripping me out. Um, but sorry, I've lost my train of thought. It's fine. We were just. I don't even know. <laughs> it's fine. My family are are great, but not perfect. I I think they're amazing. So. <laughs> I, I guess it's, I guess kind of the, the second part of this story. Yeah. So obviously this thing happens and we rally around you. Mm. And so then we're living there together and, but we're still both kind of sick. Yeah. (laughs) So in, in the moment, so, okay. And I also feel, I felt at one point, and this is going to sound very silly because Mm. I don't think anyone should compare Mm. how, how unwell they are. No. Compared to other people. They shouldn't, Maddie. But I, at the time, felt so guilty because obviously I had a very good childhood. Yeah. Um, most of what I was experienced, experiencing was due to personality mm-hmm. and, and all, a lot of different things. Different but, facets. But not the same kind of thing that you were going through. Um, and obviously my, my illness was more related to like health and, mm. and, and panic and anxiety yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, but I felt, at one point very guilty that I was like even oh, no. complaining because I was just like fuck I don't oh you're a silly person I just felt I'm like hit such you. an asshole <gasps> no. I was just like what what the fuck Maddie like just get better like no. you oh sweet you've not experienced the same thing that Irene has experienced 
I know now that that's silly. Good. And pain is relative. Yeah. Which I think is 100%. what you taught me, actually. Yes, it is. Because I tell a lot of our friends that. You yeah. know, I think um, a lot of our friends who have mental health issues, they'll find it very hard to talk to me. Um about that kind of stuff mm. even though like you know like a, like I, they know that i'm like the most empathetic person um like i think it gets to a point where they're just like no i can't i can't help but like how can yeah. why are you the one helping me when i should be the one helping you yeah um where i'm just like guys like i almost like think when when you you also think like that right like it helps perpetuate the the problem in sense yeah. where like i didn't i felt like i wasn't normal you know, um, where like it's just feeling sad and when you don't have self-care routines and you're not looking after yourself, there are many different ways where you could lead, like end up depressed, you know. Mm. Um, there doesn't have to be a set kind of things that need to happen to you. Sometimes you don't even need trauma. Like mm. it, sometimes you just get you fall you fall sick yeah you get unwell yeah that and that's happens. and it happens and you don't and i think it's even more scary at that point because you, you're like why yeah you know why no reason yeah i 100 percent agree but i think the best at first i will say when you the, at first when you moved in it was it was difficult because a i wanted to fix you yeah <laughs> And, I, and, and that's I you. And that's also very in your nature. Yes. And I, <laughs> and I couldn't and I felt very, yeah, I was just like, you, I felt very useless. Okay. And I think, and you also talked about things very openly at one point. Yeah. To the point where I would get a little bit freaked out. Yeah. Like when you told me about how many uh, muscle relaxants you swallowed. Yeah. I haven't told you this, but I left the room and I threw up. Oh, no, you didn't. Really? I was, I was just like. Oh, mate, because I was just like in that moment. That's when I realized how how serious close yeah. you come. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, mate. I don't know. I just it was very intense. But then once that once you started to get better, yeah, and you got to a point where you weren't necessarily well, but you mm. were out of that really really dark place. Dark place. It was amazing because we basically bounced off each other. Yeah, we did. So. It was – I'll use two examples. Yeah. So I think the first one I'll use in terms of how you helped me. So mm-hmm. we were watching a new show about someone who had had a drug overdose yeah. at, like, festival. Yeah. And obviously that triggered me because the whole, you know – the you know, It just the, brought everything back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The – you know my my bad drug experience yeah the fact that it had tipped me over the yeah the, the edge and just completely ruined my life at that point yes um and my brother mentioned this thing like this thing called serotonin syndrome yeah yes yes i and, do i remember this and i was like oh what's that he's like oh when you take too much like mdma your body like you can have like a seizure i remember just like ignoring your brother at that point <laughs> and being like i know exactly where this is gonna go <laughs> And then in my mind, even though this I was is- just looking at you this entire time, where I was just like, oh, no, he's done it. He's done it. Like, you don't even realize. And I'm just like, I, I just like was like my eyes were just like a bullets on you being like, it's okay, Maddie. It's okay. I'm like telepathically being like, no, 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 you got this. It's so, and even though that it was six months after this whole mm. like incident had happened, I somehow created this, this reality where that's what had mm. happened to me. And I had now then damage my body forever and that's why I was still having panic attacks and things like that I remember I went upstairs into my room and you must have cottoned on because you came upstairs and I was I just cried I was just like I don't know what to do like I'm never gonna get better Mm. I'm I'm always going to be I'm not gonna be able to leave my house I'm not gonna be able to catch the bus I'm not gonna go back to uni or go back to work this is my this is my life now yeah there's something wrong with my body I've ruined it yeah and I'm going to die any minute and you were just like, no, no, like, it's fine. And I know it must have seemed so ridiculous to you at the time that I thought all these things, but you were just like, you just would talk me through it. Yeah. And you would just give me, you would be as rational as possible. And mm. it literally was the only thing that grounded me. Yeah. Because I found it very hard to talk to my family about it yes. because they, um, would get frustrated. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm obviously not trying to, you know, put the matter or anything, but no. it was frustrating to hear yeah. your family member talk like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, they, mind you, like you had had, you were dealing with this and I didn't realize how bad it was until I started living with you, yeah. you know? Um, 
at like I'm like oh like Maddie's not in a good place mm. um you know like that's when I was like oh like this works out perfectly I remember yeah. I remember like actually having a cigarette with your mum and like the garage one time being like Fucking, be, yeah, that, you're, garage. You're, ugh, that garage <laughs> <laughs> I remember being like you know we're really helping each other um and like we we were like we were talking we're like it's almost as if it's a blessing that we've got each other well it was a blessing we had each other while this was happening like you know that was happening exactly at the same time um but i think it was was so hard for them because they had been they didn't really like this almost like they didn't maybe they didn't take it seriously Mm. um because they had seen you deteriorate and then all of a sudden like i think it was like a they're like why is she like like thinking like this like what's going on Mm. where i kind of came into the peak of it and because i hadn't heard it for six months i was really able to like give you that time that you needed Mm. yeah and you were the one who kind of helped me get that courage to like go on medication because i was so terrified that if i took anything i would die yes basically i would just die well even like even like therapy like Mm. you ended up seeing the husband husband of my therapist yeah (laughs) you hooked me up with my therapist yeah (laughs) but you yeah and i felt like i was I felt like I was comfortable telling you how terrified I was all yeah. the time because I think it's quite exhausting for a family member to hear that constantly. Was it almost as if like you felt that you couldn't talk about it because you thought people didn't take you seriously or Yeah, I think I think cuz in my family growing up I was always seen as a quite sensitive mm-hmm. and overdramatic, which yeah. I can be. I can yeah. definitely be overdramatic. Well, everyone has – everyone's multifaceted beings. Though, yes. You know? And so I I think it, on some level they thought I was being dramatic. Yeah. But it was like, this is legit. Yeah. Like I'm not. And I didn't know how to explain, explain it to them. Yeah. And because you didn't have that context and yeah. you didn't have that experience of me when I was younger, mm. I think – and you knew me only as Maddie at school, Maddie yeah. in, in yeah. social world. Yeah. In a social context. Yeah. You were like, oh, this is no. Yeah. Like, this isn't, this is like, this is, this is not her being dramatic. Like, mm. she genuinely believes it. And I think also coming from a place of empathy where, you know, there are times where, like, I would talk about, like, my depression to me, like, like, you know, old mates, and I'd, they'd be like, oh, well, you know, just get over it. You mm. know, it was the very, like, do, slap yeah. on the knee being like, well, you're feeling sad, just stop being sad, yeah. you know? Um, so then I remember that would be me thinking, oh, well, I must be putting it on. Um, I must be, I must be putting, I, I can't be this sad. Like they said, I, I couldn't be this sad, so I must not be this sad. And I think it's the same kind of effect with someone who has anxiety and they, they're talking about their fears. And yeah, like I think to a point, sometimes they think it's like almost as if they understand that it is an irrational fear, mm. but it's reality to them, yeah. you know? And that's what is so scary where you're like, oh, um, like you're stuck in this like, hard place where you're like I don't I don't know what to believe <laughs> exactly exactly and and that's I think the reason why having you there was so beneficial mm. was because if no one was listening to me even if my partner mm. was was frustrated with me I knew I could come and talk to you yeah because you just never got frustrated yeah and even if you did you never showed it yeah because I think that's yeah. what you need though when you know you are helping someone with mental health um, you need to give them patience. Um, and then I think you also need to know when to step away when you either like tag team with somebody mm. or you step away. So you don't, you're not saying things just to fill in the room, but you're actually just being an active listener. Yeah. Um, and that's what I needed. Yeah. I just needed someone to tell me I wasn't yeah. losing my mind. Yeah. In a nice way. Yeah. <laughs> or that what I was thinking was not reality but as in like talk you through with it instead of being dismissive about it yeah yeah because i think that was the that was a big problem where it was just kind of dismissed and then you would then get into your head about it um opposed to having someone talk you through it Mm. and then any questions you would have we would then talk through those questions too um where it wouldn't be like oh well don't don't think like that like Mm. don't and i remember talking to you about it and you being like i don't know why people aren't taking this seriously like you know it would be really hard, right? Um, especially to shove it under a rug. And I remember being like, look, I know it's bad, but it's coming from a place of love yeah. where they just don't want to believe that you are this sick, mm. um, because they're scared. Like it's, it's more like a scary thought more than anything else. It's not because mm. they don't care. Mm. It's just because they're scared. Yeah. Um, they don't want to face the reality of you being this unwell yeah um so i remember being like if you need to talk to someone Mm. i can be that person like you know we can talk through with it Mm. yeah no i i it was yeah 
I'm forever thankful. <laughs> but I, but I think, and this, and like vice versa. Yeah, I remember there was one time where you went out potentially for lunch with someone or something, and you mm. called me and you were crying because like a man had looked at you strangely. I don't even remember this. And you thought he was judging you. Yeah. And he thought he was looking at you as if you were like, like, I think, like, sexualizing you. Oh. And it just triggered something in you. Oh, and dear. you all of a sudden just felt like you weren't worth anything. Oh, no. And I was, I remember I'm like. getting so empathetic for my past <laughs> self right now. <sighs> and I, I was on the phone with you and we were, just, I was just like talking through why you, you were worth, yeah. why it was worth for you to be alive. Yeah. Kind of thing. And that's what I felt. I felt like a lot of my job was just convincing you to stay. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Convincing it you was. to stay on this earth. Yes. And I – and but at the same time, I had all the time in the world to do that. Yeah. And it's so strange how we can both be so unwell but – But be there for that yeah. person. Yeah. And we really kind of worked off each other with that, you know. Mm. Um, like for me, I think one of the biggest things that helped – both of us was going for walks around the park. Oh, yes. And then you got me running. <laughs> yeah, and then I got you running. Oh, my God. And we that. used to, like, work out, and it was just yeah, good. It was so good. It was so, so good. I remember that – I think the the best time um, I remember having with you in that house is when you came oh, – did you buy them? Someone came home with, like, a huge bunch of um, lemons – and it was just coming into summertime. It would have been maybe November. Was it me? What, no, it must have been. No, it was Georgie. Georgia. Yeah, yeah. My sister. And you were like, we should make lemonade. And I was like, fuck that. Oh, that I remember like a this. a lot of work. Oh, that was and a good you, memory. And you were like, no, no, no. We can like full. We're going to do it. We're going to mm. squeeze the lemons and yeah. we're going to boil the sugar and we're going to yeah. do it together. And we did it. And I remember at that point I had started taking medication. I was so tired. Mm. And I'd help you. Maybe I hadn't done that much. <laughs> You'd done most of it. And you went, you go sleep. Yeah. And by the time you come home, it would have been, it would have been chilled in the yeah. fridge for long enough. Yeah. And we can drink it. And I was like, mm-hmm, cool. At this point, I was napping a lot. <laughs> and you woke me up at, at like four. No, I woke up at like four o'clock. And you know when you've been napping and it's hot and you yeah. were, I woke up. I was so thirsty. I was just like, oh, my God. Because it was like in the middle of summer. Yeah, I was like, I yeah. need to drink. And I came downstairs and you're like, oh, you want to have lemonade? And I was like, yes. And so we sat on the steps, um, the concrete steps yeah. outside. We just drink lemonade. Just sitting there and, yeah. Yeah. And I, and at that point, like, our, our back garden looked really beautiful. Yeah. And a southerly breeze had yeah. came in. And I was just like, okay. Life's good. It's going to be all right. Yeah. And I think that was around the same time, again, that we were starting to, like, get a little bit better. Yeah. No, I agree. And I just remember thinking, yeah, okay, we can we can probably do it. Yeah. We could do it. And that's just like my best memory. Yeah. And I hold on to that because I just remember that being like a game changer in yeah, terms of it is actually. things getting better. It's almost as if like if the movie was to end there, yeah. you like you would know from that scene that life got better. Yeah. Because from that point on it did. And it and it wasn't smooth sailing. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't think life ever is. No, because we're probably – I mean, we could spend a good – another hour talking about all the things that happened since then. That. Yeah. But it, in that year, I think we both learned not only a lot about ourselves but each other. Yes. And I don't think to this day I have a friendship that is so deep mm. because you can't – like when you have that experience with someone, you can never forget it. No. You can never – unwind that yeah it's there forever and that's why i don't refer to you now as a friend i refer to you as like a sister yes and you know when i talk about family and yeah. stuff like uh, your whole family are like family to me exactly because yeah. you don't go through that and not end up like family at the end i could cry <laughs> <laughs> oh, i just love you so much i love you too bub oh god <laughs> you know what i think it's nearly been like <laughs> nearly an hour yeah so before we go, um, I guess, can I just have your number one piece of advice for anyone who's struggling right now? What would you tell them? Oh, that's a tricky one. Mm. I think it would be that you need to be patient with yourself and try not to label yourself as something. So don't label yourself as the person who has come out of trauma or the person who has survived a suicide attempt. Um, know that you're a multifaceted being. 
<laughs> and that there can be many different parts of you. Nothing is ever black and white. There are often times of shades of gray within everyone. Um, and just know that it gets better. You know, I think, you know, I don't like to, I was, I was talking to you about it before. I don't like to look at myself when I, when in terms of talking about being successful, I don't want to be a person now that is like, oh, you know, good on her. She's so successful. Look at what she's like come from and look where she yeah, is now. Despite all, despite this. all this, I, I purely now want to be successful because I've gotten there and the person that I am, um, and the goals that I've achieved. I don't want to be known as a person that's gone through shit and then been successful. I just want to be known on my success. You're successful. Yeah. And just, and just be a part of that. So just know that it gets better and you can come out of this a completely different person. Um, and don't, don't ever underestimate how strong you are because it's something that I will never take for granted ever mm. again. I love you. I love you too. Let's go get food. Okay. Bye guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Wow, I told you guys that was going to be an intense one. I think, actually, if anything, it was a bit therapeutic um, to have that conversation with Irene. As you can see, she is legitimately the bravest person I know. And I really hope that if you've listened to this episode, it's it's inspired you to not just get help, but to also have those conversations with your friends if you're worried about them, because... Because I think sometimes it can be a bit scary to do so, but it's an imperative. It's, it's, it's so important to have those conversations with your friends because you can, you can save their life. Um, I guess before I go, let's do our usual social media plug. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Just type in if you don't mind. I'm on Instagram as if you don't mind podcast. So. Follow me and give me some likes if you have a chance. Uh, I'm on Twitter at if you don't mind P. Also, very exciting. I've launched a Patreon, which I will put in the link will be in my bio Instagram. So if you want to check it out, you can see all the different ways you can support me. And of course, you, you can follow this. You can follow this podcast on Spotify or iTunes, really anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you again for tuning in as usual. I love the fact that people are reaching out and letting me know they are enjoying the podcast. And don't forget, if you want to chat more in depth, you can reach me at if you don't mind podcast at gmail.com. Guys, I hope you're all safe out there. I hope you're being kind to each other and yourselves. And remember, if you can hear someone else's story, if you can listen to someone else's story, do it. It'll make your day. And it might just change your life for the better. See ya.